<clears throat> Good evening, everybody. Uh, I'm just going to read the passage that we're going to be going through tonight. So uh, have, have a listen, maybe tune your ears a little bit to what Jesus might want to say to us. So this is Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We'll start dissecting that passage in just a bit because there's so much to unpack there. There's a lot of good stuff. But I'd love to just open us up in a little bit of prayer if that's okay. So let's bow our heads. Jesus, thank you for tonight. Thank you that we're here um, in your presence, God. Lord, would you use me, use the words that I speak, God, to encourage, to inspire, and to unite us. Lord, we love you, and we're so expectant of what you're going to do in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. In your mighty name, amen. Now, uh, like Josh said, I have been uh, at St. Nick's for about uh, a year and a half, two years. Uh, but I thought since this is my first actual preach here at St. Nick's, just tell you a little bit about myself. Um, so I think we got a picture, but my wife... Uh, it, her name's Lex. She's the most incredible human being on the planet. Um, she's the best. She's the absolute best. Uh, but second to her is actually my little boy right there. His name's Jude. Uh, I know I'm biased. He is the cutest baby. I'm sorry to any of you out there who have babies. Um, he is he's smiling a lot recently, and it's the best thing ever. So um, the other thing that you'll know about me, uh, if, if you don't know yet, is that I am unashamedly enthusiastic about life. And here's why. Because God has done some amazing things in my life, and I can't help but share that with the people around me. You see, at, at work, uh, we gave out some awards recently, and I got this award called uh, the How Y'all Doing Award. <laughs> no surprise there. Uh, uh, but be, I got it because uh, every time I enter a room, and there's a couple of people here from work, uh, they can attest that when I enter a room, I enter with, how y'all doing? So I want you to turn to the person next to you and ask them, how y'all doing? How y'all doing? There you go. <laughs> Get your American on. There you go. Now, I, uh, <laughs> thank you. I've also been a DJ for about 16 years this year. Uh, and some people in here have actually DJed some of your parties and uh, I might be DJing some of your weddings this year, which is pretty cool. Um, but music has always played a really important part in my life. Uh, I remember growing up, um, <laughs> I, I would wake up to the song uh, on a Saturday morning, uh, the song uh, Brighter Day by Kirk Franklin. Anyone know that song, Brighter Day, Kirk Franklin? It's an amazing track, uh, but it also has some trauma attached to it for me because I would wake up to that amazing song, uh, and it's such a great song, but then it would also be a reminder that it's time to start, like, Saturday chores, you know? Uh, so not a great thing. Uh, but as a family, we also grew up 
going to church. Anyone else grow up going to church? Yeah? Anyone else out there? Nice. And it was where I learned the term uh, voluntold. So we know what volunteering is, uh, but has anyone ever been voluntold? Now, I learned about this term because um, my parents, one day, we were walking in a church, and they said, hey, Joe, you like, this is, I was like 11 years old, Joe, you like computers. Uh, why don't you go and help out the children's ministry, set up their stuff, and run their slides, and help with check-in and stuff like that? Nice. Go, go ahead, Joe. No options. Just voluntold into that, that space there. That was great. Um, but we continued to go to church, and as I graduated high school and went into college and uh, the great beyond, I found myself in some pretty new situations. Uh, like Josh said, I worked uh, in tech, and I was working for this really incredible company with really passionate people, and I still work with those people today. But I found myself having some really interesting conversations because I would be at work, and people would ask me, so Joe, what are you, what are you up to this weekend? And uh, I think it's safe to say that uh, I might have overshared a little bit uh, when talking about this whole concept of church. Um, and this is a true story, okay? Uh, so I'm having that conversation. Joe, what are, you, what are you doing this weekend? What are you doing on Sunday? Dude, so I'm leading youth at church this weekend, and uh, we're going through the fruit of the Spirit. And I kid you not, this one kid he totally thought that the fruit of the Spirit was a banana. And another kid thought that the fruit of the Spirit was a passion fruit because he had just seen the passion of the Christ. Uh, but then another kid thought that the fruit of the Spirit was a grape because that's how Jesus makes wine. And uh, then another kid tried to stuff a whole bunch of communion bread into his mouth, and it ended up just being a game of chubby bunny. It was It was crazy. I was then met with a lot of uh, looks of confusion <laughs> and uh, just a lot of blank stares as well. And it was then I realized sharing my faith, telling people about church was going to be a little bit tougher than I thought. Now, when I was asked to preach on this, to describe and talk about encounters with this risen Jesus, I couldn't help but think about my grandma. I think we have a couple pictures of my grandma here. She was this incredible woman who immigrated from the Philippines. Uh, that's me with <laughs> uh, glasses and a fedora. I don't wear fedoras anymore. Uh, but she immigrated from the Philippines to the U.S. in uh, the 70s. And she was a real foundation for my faith. She loved sharing her faith with people. And she would love that I get to, to share the message of Jesus' love uh, with all of you. And she's in heaven now, partying with that same Jesus whose words we're going to look at today. But let's get to know this Jesus a little bit better. So we're in the book of Matthew, right? We're in the book of Matthew, and it's this book that begins with the genealogy of Jesus. So the genealogy is like the family history. How did we get to Jesus? The list of people who came before Jesus, right? And now, this passage that we just read today is at the very end of Matthew. It's, it's at the end of this long uh, book. Uh, but I really think it's interesting because while the beginning is the genealogy, the end and the passage that we just read actually acts as an invitation to become part of that family of Jesus. Isn't that interesting how we started with a genealogy and now we're ending with 
an invitation. This scene today opens up to that to one of Jesus' final moments here on earth. He spent about 33 years here. Um, he's gone to the cross. He's risen from the dead. And now he is about to spend one of his last recorded moments with the people who've been following him around uh, on earth. He has this really important message to share with each of his followers. And I think it's still really relevant to us today. And I'm going to break down the last verse that we just read today, 28 and 19 in Matthew, uh, into three parts. To go, to baptize, and to teach. So this first one, go. This part of this passage is, is really direct, really simple instruction. To go, therefore, go. In every translation that I looked up, it says that word, go. And I think the message that I'm taking from that, church, everyone who's here today, is that actually we can't just stay here. Well, I love church. I love what this is. This building, hundreds of years old. The history in this place is incredible. The fact that we are a brand new church over the past few years, meeting in this old space, bringing it new life, is incredible, right? But Jesus is saying you actually can't just stay here. The reason I'm telling you this message is actually to go out and share it to the world. We can't stay within these four walls. So stick with me here. We're going to do a little bit of history, a little bit of context on this great commission. Because this concept of a commission is actually not a new concept in the Bible. If we go back to the book of Isaiah. See, I'm American, so I say Isaiah instead of Isaiah. Bear with me on that. Um, uh, in Isaiah 6, it mentions another commission from God. You see, Isaiah was a prophet. So he would, uh, God would speak through Isaiah, right? God would speak to Isaiah, and then, God, and then Isaiah would share that with uh, people around him. In this passage, uh, in Isaiah uh, chapter 6, uh, God is asking, and he, these are the actual words from the text. He says, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Those were the direct words from God. And Isaiah responds with this. And there's an exclamation point in the text, so you know I can actually shout it. He goes, here am I. Here I am, God. Send me. Now, it's here that God is saying, who will go into the world to tell people good news? Who will share with people what life is like if you follow me? And Isaiah replies, I will. I will be your voice. I will be your hands and feet in this world. Now, it's also in this book, this, uh, from this prophet Isaiah, that uh, he foretells about uh, a coming Messiah, a coming Savior, a king, if you will. And as Isaiah describes this coming Messiah, he describes him in words that we've actually maybe sung before, if you've ever been to like an Easter service, oh, sorry, not an Easter service, what's the other, it's Christmas, if you ever go to a Christmas service, you'll probably have sung about this coming king. Uh, it's in Isaiah 9, 6, where Isaiah describes um, this coming savior, uh, and the verse reads this, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And it continues on saying, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
Now, for the people of Israel who Isaiah was speaking to at the time, this was really, really good news. This was really good news. You see, the people of Israel were constantly looking for a king, a ruler, for stability and for safety of their nation. This was the prophecy that they were waiting for. So now let's fast forward to Jesus, who fulfills that prophecy, who dies, rises again. And now Jesus is giving us this very simple introduction to this great commission. Go and make disciples. Or in other words, go and share my message of love to everyone in such a way that changes their life. It's from this place, this hopefully safe area of experiencing God, church, he's asking us to go. The early church, so the people who were following Jesus originally, spread like it did because his followers took it really seriously. And we can't stay put. I think that's very clear. The message of love that Jesus has for us is too good to keep to ourselves. So my question to you tonight, my first question for you tonight, is where is God sending you? Where is God sending you? Wherever that destination is, God can use you to bring peace and light and love to those places. What if we were people who embodied that peace? What if we were people who brought that peace to places? What if we were people... Uh, who were known as peace bringers? What if we were people of peace in your classrooms, in your workplaces, in your homes, in your families? What if we were people that exuded, that emanated these characteristics of Jesus? See, Jesus had this peacefulness that was so attractive to people. I'm going to take a quick sidestep here because I, I, I feel like I need to say this. Uh, I haven't necessarily planned this, so bear with me a second. This morning and even just now while Matt was praying, the word peace has just come up a lot. And I know I'm not like actually speaking on peace, but I feel like there's someone here in this room who needs peace in their life right now. And I want to just say, whew. There is a God whose peace surpasses what we can comprehend. So I don't know if that's you tonight. I don't know if that's if it's someone who's watching online. I'm, is this camera? That, I'm a, whoever's watching online, maybe it's you. But there's a peace out there that is for you. And Jesus is inviting us to experience that peace. Okay, I'm coming back. I'm sorry. I had to, I had to say that. I had to say that. You see, uh, now that we're back, Hannah mentioned last week... Uh, that in our uncertainty, Jesus meets us with his peace and he replaces that with his peace. She also mentioned that the opposite of uncertainty is peace. It's not certainty, it's actually peace. What if we were examples of that peace in the context that we go to every single day? I think that if we were a person of peace in those contexts. Here's what it looks like. When you have the chance to spread gossip, instead you choose to encourage and uplift your coworkers and the people around you. Being a person of peace means that if someone in that place is 
in mourning or in despair, you actually take the time to be present with them, to offer prayer for them. Being a person of peace means just being present with them. What a beautiful picture that could be if we were those people in all of our contexts. Because maybe, just maybe, if we were those people and we are kind and uplifting and, we're, and we bring that peace that Jesus offers into where we go, people might just ask, why are you that way? Why do you do that? I, actually, I would love to know more about why you're like that. Ooh, that's, that would be crazy. That, sorry, I just thought about what that would be like to have that conversation with someone from work, and that would be crazy. Um, the next thing that Jesus talks about is baptizing. Now, baptizing is one of the most unique and uh, exciting human experiences you could have. By definition, and I'm going to read this here, baptism is an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. I'm going to say that again. Baptism is an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. Now, I like to think of it like this. Bear with me here. I like to think that if someone gets baptized, it's sort of like they've just received their Costco membership. Uh, anyone here have a Costco membership? Yeah, come on. That, that rose. Great. Uh, now, with a Costco membership... Uh, I got my first one when I was like 19, 20 years old, and I felt like an adult. I felt like such an adult because it was like a, a, a passkey into a world of massive trays of chocolate chip muffins and free samples and even like discounted petrol. It, I, felt, I felt like the world had been opened up for me, even though I'd been going there my whole life with my parents. I could do that now on my own. Now, in the same way, if you become a follower of Jesus, if you become a Christian and you choose to get baptized, there are a few things involved with that. There's something that only uh, we can do, and that is repenting, believing, and putting faith in Jesus. There's something that only God can do, and that is filling us with his Holy Spirit. And then there's something that only the church, all of us can do, and that is to baptize. Now, this passage is inviting us uh, and sending us out to invite people to have faith in Jesus for their own life. Now, while I don't expect and think that we're all going to be going around Bristol dunking people into the river uh, or the harbor side, uh, I do uh, think that Jesus is sending us out to go, right, but also to bring people in to this life that he's offering us. Because when that happens, and someone declares uh, Jesus' name in their life, I actually think that it's something worth celebrating. It's saying that my life was actually going one way, and ever since I've met Jesus, it's going a completely different direction. And not only that, but I want everyone to know. Now, I was, uh, I was fortunate enough uh, in 2010, to get baptized with my uh, two best friends. 
we just uh, graduated high school, uh, and we were going off to college. But before we went, we, uh, we decided that we wanted to make that happen. Those are my two guys there. That was recently. We actually weighed a lot less in high school. We looked a lot skinnier after when we gra- just graduated high school. Uh, but <laughs> it was in front of our whole church. It was these three 18-year-old dudes committing their life to sharing the gospel of Jesus. It was a moment for the three of us to say to our whole congregation that we were committing ourselves to sharing the good news of Jesus. Now, we have this, um, we have this silly name for ourselves. We call ourselves the BAP Boys uh, with a Z. And uh, we often reference ourselves as that when we hang out. Uh, and our wives hate it when we, uh, <laughs> we call ourselves that because it's really nerdy. Uh, but these guys have been with me in um, the best moments of my life, but also the absolute moments of despair as well. I thank God for Chris, and I thank God for Glenn. Now, if you haven't yet been baptized, and you have experienced the love of Jesus, my encouragement is that you talk to someone about it. The church was built to encourage uh, people on their walks of faith, but it was also here, uh, created and were meant to celebrate when someone makes that decision to declare that Jesus has made a difference in their life. Next week, next week, right, Josh? Next week? Next week. We're, we're celebrating baptisms right here in this church. We're celebrating people who are making that decision to declare and say, Jesus has made a difference in my life, and I want everyone to know. But on the flip side, if you've been listening and you want to learn more about who God is, about what baptism is, why do we have to go underneath the water fully? Why is it that in COVID there were some priests who were using squirt guns to baptize people? There's a lot of questions about baptism. I get it. But if you want to learn a little bit more about baptism, I would actually encourage you to take those questions to a forum like Alpha. If you've never done Alpha before, it's a place where people who have very similar questions are bringing them to the table to discuss them, and you do it in a group setting where people are on that journey with you. So we've talked about go, but God is sending us out to different places. Maybe start to think, where are you sending me, God? We've also talked about baptize, where Jesus is inviting us to, to, or he's sending us out to invite people in to declare his name over their life. And the last thing that Jesus asks us to do is to teach. I think that the uh, temptation when given the task to teach, it can actually seem quite daunting. Uh, sometimes teaching implies that you are an expert in your field or that you have some sort of qualification to share your knowledge. Uh, I'll just preface it this way. I'm no theologian, uh, and I'm no, like, Jesus expert, but I do know one thing for certain, and that is that Jesus was a great storyteller. He was an amazing storyteller. The majority of tales and and times that we read about Jesus in the Bible were usually with him, with people, telling stories and teaching them through those stories. So what this is telling me is that a powerful way to teach people about who Jesus was is to tell them the stories, or in other words, the testimony 
of how he has made a difference in your life. I'm about to go full Californian on y'all, but I get really stoked when I think about what that might look like when, when Jesus sends us out. Now, in a court of law, and are there any lawyers in here? No? Anyone studying law? There we go. Uh, thank you. Uh, in a court of law, a testimony is a factual story. Yes? Cool. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> so when we are on that great commission, what facts about what God has done in our life are we sharing with the people around us? I really believe that our testimony is powerful. Your testimony is powerful. Like Josh said, I've been at this church for about a year and a half, and I've had the pleasure of getting to know people and their stories here in this church. And I got to tell you, there are a ton of stories of people experiencing God and his goodness. There are so many accounts, so many testimonies of God's goodness and his faithfulness. So then, how do we tell our story? Do you know your testimony? Maybe you're just learning what a testimony is. Now, if you do, then great. I think this passage is very clear. Go out and share that testimony. Share that story with the people around you. If you don't, even better. What a wonderful place to be, to be expectant and to be asking God to give you a story uh, about sharing who he is with people. Now, you might be wondering where a great place to start is. I like to think, firstly, I like to think about what I'm thankful for uh, and all the steps that it took to get there. That's a great place to start. But here is, uh, here's an example of a testimony of God working in my life. And it actually involves this church. Now, uh, it was post-pandemic. Everyone was sort of re-emerging. I was uh, re-emerging out of uh, lockdown. I sound like a butterfly, re-emerging. Um, we were all <laughs> coming out of lockdown. Uh, but if I'm honest, I felt, um, I felt really detached from church. I felt really, uh, if I'm honest, really distant from God. Um, and it, it was actually someone that my wife, this is crazy, someone that my wife went to uni with who was now training to become a vicar here in Bristol. Um, if you know him, it's Isaac Watson and his wife, Maddie. They own, um, they run Forest Vintage, right? And they were hosting an event, much like the one that's happening on Friday night, uh, here, in, here at St. Nick's. And Isaac said to my wife, you should totally come and, and just check it out. And, and our good friends Tom and Ruth Skidmore, they were also, yeah, come on, come on and, and just check it out. So I remember uh, coming to a Sunday service, and it was sort of to about where Daniel was, right where you were. And I was, I was watching the service, and I, and I saw... I don't know if you know him. His name's Tom Gill. He's a, he's a drummer. He's an incredible drummer. Y'all know Tom? He's amazing, right? Uh, if you've ever seen Tom play drums, he doesn't just play drums. He, like, he worships with his whole body when he plays those drums. And I was standing right there, and it gave me the chills. 
because I had been to church for the first time in a long time. And I was watching this person behind like this glass, like plexiglass screen. And remember, I've been to church for a long time. I've seen a lot of drummers. And this is nothing on drummers. But when I saw Tom, I, I was like, man, this guy is worshiping. He believes everything, every note that he's playing. He is worshiping with his whole body. And I thought, wow, what is this place? After that, we began to meet people. We met, we met some of our greatest friends, Cam and Floss. Our, we met our small group. Uh, we, we call ourselves the Clifton Supergroup. It's a really nerdy name, I know, but we call ourselves that because we're proud. And there's a bunch of us, and we love it. And we also met great people like Tim and Em. They're amazing people as well. I, I, I met a mentor. I have a mentor? What? Someone's allowed me to mentor them? I can't believe all of these things have happened in the past year and a half. And you know who is at the center of it all? Jesus. Jesus is the thing that unites all of these people, all of these events happening. The person of Jesus is the common denominator across all of those things. Encountering these things and these people have woven together a year and a half worth of stories about how Jesus has worked in my wife and I and our son's life. And I really believe that this is just the beginning. The final part of that passage that we looked at today, it says, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That is powerful. Jesus is saying that in the midst of him not physically being here, in the midst of him physically not being here while he's sending us out onto this great commission, we're actually not going to be alone. We've been given the presence of his Holy Spirit till the very end of the age. So comforting. While Jesus couldn't physically be here, his spirit would be here with us. That gives me a lot of confidence, knowing that I'm not alone on this great commission. A couple of weeks ago, uh, Zoe preached, and she encouraged us to feel the burn of the Holy Spirit. And it was such a solid piece of wisdom. I would encourage you to invite the Holy Spirit into your everyday because when you do, you open yourself up to what God might want to do or bless or encourage in your life. So, church, that's all of you, church, may we embark on this great commission together. May we encourage one another to go where God is sending us. May we celebrate the baptism of people who declare Jesus' uh, name in their life. And may we teach people about who God is through our stories, through our testimonies. Now I realize, oh, almost tripped there, that was crazy. Uh, I realize I was actually speaking to the church there, but I, I also want to speak to people who might not know who this Jesus is. Because if you're here or watching online, you don't yet know Jesus, I believe that this passage is for you as well. 
maybe God is asking you to go to a new place or a new understanding uh, of him. Maybe he's calling you to baptism. Maybe you've been following Jesus for a while. Maybe that is the next step for you. Or maybe just to explore what that means. And maybe he has you here watching this, being here for this, to be taught a little bit more about who he really is. And may I be the first to say that I am right there with you. You have this church here that is right there with you daily and that you are not alone. So if I could actually ask the band to come on up, I have a very, it's a very simple prayer, sort of just tying things together, but I'm going to repeat it a few times. Um, so maybe right now, if I could just have you all just bow your heads and close your eyes, I'd love to pray this prayer over you, and maybe there's certain points of it that are, are things that you can take into your own life. Jesus for your message. Thank you, Jesus, for your great commission, sending us out into the world to share your love with everyone that we meet. But God, we're asking right now that you would reveal more of yourself to us. And I feel like God, it, you know, you have these questions for us. Where, where might you be sending me? And if you're listening, where might God be sending you? The second point is, God, would you give me courage to declare what you've done in my life to people around me? And the third point is, who can I share my testimony with, my story with? I'm just going to repeat that a couple more times. God, where might you be sending me? God, give me courage to declare what you've done in my life. And God, who can I share my testimony and my story with? Where might you be sending me, God? Give me courage to declare what you've done in my life. Who can I share my testimony and my story with? We love you, Lord.